0: Well, these four words, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration, point us to many, many truths. And that's our introduction, kind of laying a foundation. Today, we're going, to look, we're going to continue our sermon theme for the year, which is prayer. And our current sermon series, four parts, is called Prayer in Life. And I called it that because it's about applying prayer to life. Last week, we looked at the idea of success and what we see in Ephesians 3 and 4 about what God's, what I'm, what I called spiritual success and a prayer that relates to that spiritual success. Today, we're looking at the idea of agendas. We all have one. In fact, we probably have more than one for all kinds of things. We're looking at agendas. We're looking at our agendas. We're going to spend most of the time talking about God's agenda God's agenda for us. Now, an agenda is a plan or a set of goals. And I hope that you can actually see that in looking at that four-word summary of the Bible, that it actually gives us one view of God's agenda, part of what he's doing with us. Well, let's talk just a second about our agendas. All of us have an agenda for our lives, even if we cannot explain it, if somebody were to walk up to you on the street and ask, what's your agenda for life? You might not be able to explain it, but you have one. We're just wired that way by God to have one. And here's another way that might connect a little better. We all have plans and dreams for our lives. Things For things like our schooling, if you're still in schooling, or getting out of school, career, families, churches, retirements, vacations, these plans, these agendas can be for very big things, can be for small things. Now, in our verses for today, we're going to see part of God's agenda for us. And we're going to read in just a second. I ask you to remain seated. We'll read together from the screen, Romans eight, twenty-eight and 29. Let's read that together. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose, for those he, whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Now, as we saw earlier, God created everything, including us. And just as when we make something today, there's a purpose for the thing that we make, God has a purpose or an agenda for us. So we've talked a little bit about our agenda. We're going to talk more about God's agenda. But next, I want to take just a second and interject one other agenda, and that's Satan's, because it has to do with where we are now today and what we experience. And we find a description of Satan's agenda in John 10, verses 10 and 11. This is Jesus speaking. He says, "...the thief comes only to kill and steal and destroy." I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now it's clear here from Jesus' words that the thief is a picture of Satan who is working to steal and to kill and to destroy. It was Satan who tempted Eve to rebel against God. It was Satan who told the first lie recorded in the Bible about God, and Satan loves it very much when people steal from each other and kill each other and destroy parts of God's creation. And don't we see that going on? Yes, which is good why there's, that's not the end. There's a, restu- there's a re- redemption and a restoration as well. So this morning I'd like to look at God's agenda for us using three key words, stewards, glory, and family. So, first, part of God's agenda for us is to be stewards of His creation. In Genesis 1, verses 27 and 28, we read this So, God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God gave this commission to Adam and Eve and to their descendants, and it has never been revoked. You don't see the word steward here, but the idea that you see is that humanity is to rule over the world as God's representatives. You also see in Genesis 2 that God commanded Adam to tend the Garden of Eden. So if you stop and think about it, this means that God is our ultimate boss. Okay, We work for God no matter what you do in life. Now as stewards, God's intention is for you and I to bring order and to preserve good in our families, at work, with our neighbors, in society, in every part of life. That is what God is calling us to do. And since we are in a fallen world wherever we see brokenness as we are able we can help at least do something to help rescue and restore now we are stewards all of our lives here on earth but we need to one little warning because we can tend to do this um, unconsciously or consciously and that is sometimes we try to make heaven on earth it's not going to happen okay we can we can do good things and God may bless and and life may be very comfortable but it's not gonna be what we read in Revelation 21. That doesn't come till then. Well, you and I need wisdom and strength that we don't have. We need that from God in order to be good stewards. In fact, on our own, you and I don't even have the motivation to be good stewards that God would have us be. Certainly not the wisdom. And so here's where prayer comes in. We pray and ask God every day that he would give us the wisdom and the strength, that he would give us eyes to see brokenness, eyes to see where we can contribute to caring for others and for the world that he's made. And as you and I are doing this, as we are being stewards of God's creation, we reflect his goodness. That takes us to point number two, that part of God's agenda for us is God's glory. Now, glory is not a word that we use much today. But here's what the word glory has to do with. It has to do with beauty and with honor and praise and awe and majesty. When we talk about exalting, that's talking about praising and recognizing. There's also the word boasting. And that's a whole nother sermon itself, but there's good boasting and bad boasting. Good boasting is boasting in what is beautiful and boasting boasting in God. It's kind of like when you see something and you're just so taken with it. It is so beautiful, so wonderful. You've got to tell somebody else and share about it. What are you doing? You're seeing the glory of what it is, and you want to share that. And you and I are attracted to glory. Why do people go to the Grand Canyon, this big ditch in the ground? Well, it's a ditch that happens to be a a mile wide and I don't know how deep, and it's amazing. And why do we go see other natural wonders? Because they are awesome. The word awe, we're awestruck by it. I remember years ago, I was visiting in a park in California where they had redwoods, and there was a stump. And I have to put it in quotes because I had to, it had been cut off by the loggers. I have no idea how they did this. This would have been one monster kind of a saw to cut this thing down. Because I climb on the roots and I'm up just looking at the stump. And I'm thinking, this thing is big enough to build a house on. It was huge. Why are we attracted to those things? God made us to be attracted to glory. And so in creation, Psalm Psalm 19, verse 1 The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. The night sky, all these other things, they reflect God's glory. They're a pointer to God's greatness and his power and his wisdom and his love for beauty. But God himself deserves honor and praise just for who he is. Now, let's add one more piece to that. Add what God has done through Jesus for our redemption and our restoration, and we see even more of God's glory. In Philippians 2, verses 9 and 10, Paul says, Therefore God has highly exalted him, referring to Jesus, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Now, in in the verses just before this, Paul is talking about Jesus and what he did. That he left heaven, and he came to earth, became God and man, and he lived, and then he died in our place as our substitute and rose again. That's how we're rescued. And also, you think about it, the what had to be done to rescue us shows us how desperate our situation was and what we needed. And in this verse, what we see is that one day everyone will acknowledge Jesus as he deserves. Now, because we're broken, sinful, I need to mention this. We often try to steal glory and claim it for ourselves. That's just part of who we are as human beings. A couple of other thoughts on glory. You and I reflect God's glory when we obey him and we live in line with his word. As Dennis was saying in his part of his prayer confession, Jesus always is pointing back to God the Father and saying, I only do what I see my Father doing, I only say what I see him saying. Jesus is the picture of perfect humanity, of perfect obedience. And you and I reflect it in a small way when we obey God. God also gets glory when he rescues us. Now, you and I cannot add to God's glory. One of the things that somewhere in the service, it might have, I might forget where it was, but God doesn't need us. We, we don't add to God's glory, but we can and should recognize God and praise God and thank him. And so if you remember from our first sermon series where we were looking at the Lord's Prayer, part of what Jesus tells us to pray to God the Father is, hallowed be your name honor and praise and glory and thanks and recognition, all of that is wrapped up when you and I are saying to God, hallowed be your name. We worship you, God. So part of healthy prayer is praising God for who he is, thanking him for what he does, remembering or recounting God's goodness, and asking God to enable us to see more of his glory. Now, God isn't hiding I mean, he does hide some of his glory because we can't see him straight on, face to face. We wouldn't survive. But we also are actually seeing God's glory every day. We just don't recognize it for what it is. And so part of the prayer can be, God, give me eyes to see, not just in nature, but in other ways, how God is working and to give him thanks. And then number three, third part of God's agenda for us, is God working to build a spiritual family. A little bit earlier, I read from Revelation 21. I want to go back and look at verse 3 again. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and look at this next part. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. God says he's building a people. He also calls it a family. God's building a spiritual family. Now, one thing to to be clear on is that God is not building a family out of need or of loneliness. Sometimes we think of God as having existed from eternity past, and oh my goodness, what did he do with himself? He was not lonely. God has existed from eternity past as God the Father, Son, and Spirit. So in the Trinity, God has never been alone. He's never been lonely. I believe that God created us because he wanted to share. More people to share with, more delight there is. He wanted to share with us. And so God is building a spiritual family by giving each person that he makes a Christian spiritual birth. And just as we saw last week, just as we grow physically from a baby to adult, spiritually we grow from spiritual immaturity to spiritual maturity. But not only does, is God building a family by bringing people like you and me into his spiritual family, he also is building his family by using people like you and me in helping others come into his spiritual family. And if you have the outline, there's two parts to that. One is God using us to help bring people to faith and to grow people in their faith. And one of the ways that we can talk about being used by God to to help bring people to faith is by our witness. In Acts 1, verse 8, this is Jesus speaking just before to his followers, just before he returns to heaven. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, to witness means that you tell other people what you have experienced, what you have seen, and what you've heard. So we all have a witness of some kind. And every Christian is called by God to witness to God's work in their lives. But let me add that we should do that with humility and with kindness And wisdom again, pointing back to where I was before, recognizing you and I don't deserve God's goodness. We don't deserve His rescue. So, as we talk to others, come from that place. I'm needy. God has worked in my life. I know you're needy too. Let's ask God to work in your life. The next verses I want to read actually point to both, or, or look at both points, bring helping to. Bring people to faith and help people grow in faith. And that's Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. A disciple of Jesus is a follower of Jesus. And the idea here is that God wants to use people like you and me to introduce others to a relationship with Jesus and then to help those that are Christians to grow in their relationship. It's important to remember that God is the one who changes hearts, not you and me. When you and I try to change somebody else, we call that manipulation, and none of us likes that. But what God wants, and what you see in these verses, is God wants our hearts to beat with his. That is, God wants us to care about what he cares about. And God loves people. That's why it is that he chose people like you and me. Because he wants to build this spiritual family. And this is where prayer comes in, but before, and I'm gonna give you a challenge in a second, but before I do that, let me just say something else. I was watching a video this week uh, of a person talking about sharing your faith and they put it in two forms that I thought made it very easy to follow and that was the situation where somebody asks you a question about your own faith about spiritual matters they ask a question that opens the door for the possibility of a spiritual conversation and then the other direction is when you've decided you want to try to ask a question. But what they did in their outline before both of those was they said, pray before anybody ever asks you a question. Pray before you ask anybody a question. And made, they, they were kind of almost beaten on, the, on their podium saying, this is important that you pray first. And that's why I'm talking this, with this challenge for us. So If you go ahead and put that slide up. And here's the challenge, that you and I would pray, that you would pray for your family and your friends and your neighbors, and I list four things to, to include in your prayer. First, ask God to give you his heart for other people. Ask God to give you his heart for other people. Ask God to give our church family his heart for other people. Now, why did I put that first? Because you and I are naturally s- selfish. Selfish. We naturally like our comfort. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to be talking about fighting factions that we so naturally divide ourselves into groups, us and them. There's all different kinds of groups that we do that with. Recognize God took the initiative. He came after us, looking for us. God wants us to be used by him to look for others So first, ask God to give you his heart for other people. Second, pray for their challenges and struggles, their everyday life issues. And the only way you and I can know what those are is if we're talking to them about life, about family and work and other things. And it just kind of comes out as you're talking with other people. Not not about spiritual things, just about regular stuff, even though all of life is spiritual. Thirdly, Pray that God would rescue them spiritually and grow them spiritually. Pray that God would bring them into his spiritual family. And then fourthly, pray that God would use you to do them good. And that doing them good might be a spiritual conversation. It might be helping them. Like a whole bunch of people just helped Stephanie Miller this week with her move. And a few weeks ago, other people, several weeks ago, people were helping the Vilekos. Well, your your only way to help isn't just helping people move. There's all kinds of things you can do for others that are part of just being people and caring for others. So that's the challenge, and I put it as a challenge because I plan to mention it as we go through the rest of the year, so just giving you notice. You're going to hear it again. You need hear reminders that you and I do this. But the other part of the challenge isn't that we just do this once, but that we do this Consistently that we pray this prayer consistently. And feel free to use any way that you would like to help you make it more consistent, but I'm going to suggest two possible ways. And one is called prayer cups, C-U-P-S, and the other one is prayer cards. And I've used both of these in the past. And let me explain very briefly. This idea was given to, to our church, actually, I don't know how many years ago, from a church retreat we had about prayer. But the way that we implemented it in our families we have two paper cups about this big and the one has they have slips of paper and on the slips of paper are the names of friends and family and neighbors and others that you want to pray for so we have one cup and we took took a sharpie and it says pray p-r-e-y and the other cup says prayed past tense p r a y e d. and so what we did is every every evening at the evening meal We took turns going around the table, whose turn it was to pull a name out, read it to everybody, and then we prayed for them, and the name goes in the prayed cup. When the prayed cup is empty, just dump it back in and start all over again. That way it just kind of goes around. The other way I learned from Paul Miller with his seminar and his book uh, called A Praying Life, and that's prayer cards, three by five cards. And the idea isn't to to have a, a really big stack of them, it's to have a small stack. So maybe you have a card labeled friends or two cards and you write the names of the friends down and you have a little space there that as you talk with them and they share something that you can pray for them about, you write that down as a reminder and you can go through your cards then and pray for family and friends and neighbors and pray those things that I had listed on the slide that God would be working in their lives and he would be rescuing them and growing them. And so the last part is this, and I'm going to do this as I close in prayer, is that, again, we don't do this naturally, so I'm going to pray that God would help us, one, embrace God's agenda for us as stewards, as glorifying God, enjoying Him and praising Him, and as being part of His spiritual family and being used by God to bring others into His family and to grow. And then the second part is I'm going to pray that God would help us, To pray for others to pray more for others so let's pray Lord we thank you I thank you for your word and for your example I thank you for your truths and Lord this morning we pray and ask one that you would help us to embrace your agenda for us in all its parts and we only looked at three there are other parts as well Would you help us to remember that you're our creator and our king and you call us to follow you, to obey you. And the abundant life that Jesus speaks of in John 10 comes only as we look to you as our king and we follow where you say. And then, Lord, we pray, too, that you would work in us and enable us to pray more for others, to pray more consistently and then to pray expectantly that you're going to be working just as you work in our lives, you'll be working in the lives of others. We thank you that you do this, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's respond with a song.